The reading for the day comes from Exodus 6, 1 through 9. The Lord replied to Moses, Now you will see what I'll do to Pharaoh. In fact, he'll be so eager to let them go that he'll drive them out of his land by force. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I didn't reveal myself to them by my name, the Lord. I also set up my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as immigrants. I've also heard the cry of grief of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians have turned into slaves, and I've remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I'll bring you out from Egyptian forced labor. I'll rescue you from your slavery to them. I'll set you free with great power and with momentous events of justice. I'll take you as my people and I'll be your God. You will know that I, the Lord, am your God who has freed you from the Egyptian forced labor. I'll bring you into the land that I promised to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll give it to you as your possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they didn't listen to Moses because of their complete exhaustion and their hard labor. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of your pastors here at Zao. And I just want to say, Happy New Year! 2021, we made it. Woohoo! The 2020 dumpster fire is over, right? I feel like we have some people on the New Year, New Us team. And if you, if this is where you're at, I want you to let us know in comments right now. If you're feeling like, yeah, we made it. This is a fresh start. You are team New Year. And I think that those of us who are on Team New Year have this idea that, like, 2020 will go down in history as one of the actual worst, something that we lived through that was epic and terrible and (laughs) difficult and draining, and that we have turned a corner just by changing the, the calendar, that we are in a new year and a new era. We've got a lot of things that are giving us hope right now. There is the vaccine that is apparently really, really effective and came around in record time. And so we've got this vaccine, this promise on the way that the the pandemic does have an end in sight. We are heading into 2021 with some of the most robust social movements we've had in history, certainly in in my lifetime that the Black Lives Matter movement and the movement towards defunding the police, creative visionary leadership from young people about how to structure our society in new and less oppressive ways, hope that we can tear down establishments that have harmed people for generations is on the horizon. We've got a sense of hope for new political energy and direction. We have this hope that things are about to change, that we have lived through something terrible, and that we are facing a new future that has more hope in it. Team New Year, Team 2021. This is for all the folks out there who are ready to go to the 2021 pep rally. And the part of you that holds hope that the future can be different, we have this energy saying, we have got this. Or maybe you're on team, 
same old, same old. Maybe you're on team, screw that. Maybe you're on team, this hasn't actually changed, nothing is different. If you're on that team, identify it. Maybe you name your own team, <laughs> but put that in comments too. Are you feeling like, yeah, the calendar has changed, but not much else? Are you feeling like, yeah, 2021 so far is looking a whole lot like 2020? Are you on team 2020 screwed me so bad, I'm not going to be able to dig my way out in 2021? For this team, it seems like there actually is nothing new. There is a vaccine, but we don't have enough of it. And no one's going to get it for months and months and months, meaning we're still going to be in isolation for a while. Yeah, the Black Lives Matter movement is kicking and killing it, but all the systems that we oppose are firmly in place. Nothing has been shattered or brought to the ground yet. We don't have any new systems in place. And, you know, boards and cities are voting to, to put more and more funding into the police rather than diverting those funds towards the things that we've been advocating for. The hope in shifting politics is really based on people who have a lot of hope in party affiliation. And we know that regardless of political affiliation, our system is broken. We saw all kinds of threats to democracy in 2020 that have not actually been resolved. And people have less and less faith in the voting system, which creates a lot of uncertainty going forward. We need a radical overhaul, and that really hasn't happened yet. Well, I want to say to both teams, you're right. You're right. It's complicated starting a new year. It really is. And when we are in this time of transition that maybe feels a lot like transition because we get to add that one to all our paperwork now, or when it doesn't feel like a whole lot of transition because we keep forgetting to add that one for months and months and nothing has really changed because we haven't left the house in nine months. Either way, you're right, and what you're going through is real and valid. It's complicated trying to have a sense of forward direction when everything seems to move so, so slowly, especially when the things that are hurting you, the things that are holding you down, are the things that are the most intractable. People saying, yeah, this $600 isn't going to get me super far after nine months of unemployment, or yeah, I'm glad that other people have vaccines, but it's still not safe for me to go visit my grandparents. People who are saying, yeah, I feel so proud of the Black Lives Matter movement, but I'm more afraid than ever to drive by myself in certain parts of the city. It can be really impossible to have hope for the future when the future still seems so far off. And this sermon is really an invitation for folks in group two, folks who are saying, I'm not there yet, nothing has changed yet. I want you to know that you're not alone. And we've got some work to do together. But I also want to acknowledge that, by and large, we've all got both teams warring in us at any given point. We have hopes and dreams that things could be different. We've been holding out for 2021. A lot of us have been saying, 2020, dumpster fire of a year. We just got to make it through. And now we did. And is anything magically, miraculously better the last couple of days? So there is this sense of, I'm not sure if the thing I've been holding out for will ever come. I'm not sure if the thing, the carrot that I've been holding out in front of myself is actually really there or just tied to a stick in front of me. 
that I'll just keep running and running and it'll never come. We all have both teams warring inside of us at all times. And it's a very deeply human condition, and it's okay. And actually, the scriptures have something to say to that. We are going to be starting a new series right now. It's called Packing Light. And it's actually based on the story of the Exodus, the movement of God's people from slavery, forced labor in Egypt, out of Egypt, out of slavery, but into a wilderness for a whole generation before settling and eventually replicating some of the evils that they came from. Now, I know that's probably like the least inspiring characterization of the Exodus story I could probably tell, so know that there are other ways of framing that. This is a story of liberation, of hope, of freedom, but it's complicated. And for every story of hope and new life and freedom from Egypt, there is a story of loss and longing and confusion. Our faith isn't supposed to make things simple or cut and dry, but it's supposed to anchor us in what keeps moving us forward, what helps us live well and live with hope and faith and trust, rather than getting mired or stuck in the past or in the pain. And so this month, the whole month of January, we are going to be studying the Exodus story for lessons to be learned about how to leave pain and the past behind as we move forward into a complex but promising and beautiful future. How do we leave Egypt behind? How do we move through the wilderness? And how do we keep believing in the promise of a new land, of freedom, of liberation, when we haven't gotten there yet? Well, we're calling this packing light because there are going to be some things that we need to prepare and bring with us, but there's a whole lot more that we need to leave behind. And I'd like to just orient you to this story. You may have heard it before, um, but I want you to just come back with me. The Exodus is one of the most important stories in our entire religious history, and so we need to understand it if we want to understand who people are, how humanity works, and who God is. So the Exodus actually begins with the promises that God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God made a promise that their descendants would be many, that they would thrive in a land of their own. But God's sense of promise and history is a lot longer than ours. We are now a culture of instant gratification, but human beings have always had a pretty narrow scope of understanding of timing. We want things to be delivered to us now. But when God promises Abraham that his descendants will, will number more than the stars in the sky, more than the grains of sand on the beach, we know that that actually can't happen, like, immediately. God's talking about generation after generation after generation, that God's promises are real, and their fulfillment happens on the long haul. God doesn't promise everything to be smooth and without conflict, but God does promise that overall, on the whole, we are on the way towards fulfillment. That God will never forget God's promises, even if we have impatience about how God delivers that. And so this story begins with that promise that God makes to God's people, saying, I am with you. I am your God. You will prosper. You will have generations of family who will call you blessed, 
who will look up to you, who will look down to their, uh, their kin. And this web of ancestors who are my people will find freedom and love and hope. They will have a beautiful story and a beautiful community. They will be my people through and through, in the good times and in the bad. Now, fast forward to Egypt. The Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt. They've been enslaved for generations, doing hard forced labor for another people. The conditions are awful, but it's come to be all that they actually know. And so, while they are laboring and laboring, they are longing. They worry that God has forgotten them, or they have maybe forgotten God's promise was ever made. They still tell the stories and sing the songs, but some of them don't believe anymore. It's difficult to believe in a God of liberation and prosperity and hope when you are in the thick of suffering, when you have learned more to acclimate to your current present reality of forced labor and oppression than you have to the hope and promises of the God who brought you into this world. And so they labor, and for generations they survive and they get by. Things get really bad, really bad. The Israelites are growing as a population, and Pharaoh is terrified of them. He knows what he's doing to God's people, and he knows that there is going to be hell to pay for it at some point. So he's scared, and he tries to control the population the way that all dominant systems of power try and control people who are on the bottom. In Pharaoh's case, he tells uh, the midwives that they must start murdering the, the, the babies who are born. He fears that the population is growing too much. And so rather than um, creating systems of Jim Crow or mass incarceration or whatever it is, the, the systems of the day to control people who are oppressed, he goes right to the source and tells these midwives, when a male baby is born, you must kill it. The midwives, these incredible women who are tasked with birthing new life of God's people into the world, they know they can't just outright refuse to do this. So they say to the Pharaoh, yes, of course, of course we will. And then they don't. They help birth new babies, new generations into this world. And then when Pharaoh says, the population keeps growing, what's going on here? They say, oh, well, these Hebrew women, they're just... Uh, really good at giving birth. So every time they call for us, you know, it's already done and, and over by the time we get there and we can't sneakily kill these babies. So sorry, they're just like really good at this. And so these women start to create a way for God's people to thrive even under these awful conditions. And this is a, a, like a little glimpse into this vast story that we can't go into so many details about but the ways that even under moments of oppression, of evil, of domination, that God's people find a way and that those who stand in solidarity get creative, get risk-taking, and find a way for people to thrive even under oppression. But it's not ideal. It's awful, in fact. It's terrifying to the point where one young woman who has a young son is worried is worried of what will happen to him, and so places him in a reed basket and floats him toward the palace, 
hoping that someone will raise him, hoping that he will be raised by his oppressors and somehow gain their privilege rather than be murdered. And we get Moses. Moses has a complicated identity and history growing up with one foot in privilege and power and dominance, but also his history and identity and people right there with him being crushed. He moves through his own identity crisis. Where does he belong? Ends up fleeing, and God calls him back. So God is calling him back to his people, and God says to Moses, listen, I've got a plan. I know my people have been crushed. I know I haven't forgotten. I remember the promise. Do you Do my people remember the promise that I am with them, that I made the promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? I made this promise and I intend to keep it. Tell them. Tell them to have hope. Tell tell them we are going to break Pharaoh. Tell them that we are going to make it so bad for Pharaoh that he is going to force my people out of the land because he's so desperate to let them go. Now, those of us who know the story know that that does happen, though it is complicated because Pharaoh changes his mind pretty quickly. But the people don't know this yet. And so when Moses, with his own complicated identity, comes back and tells God's people, rescue is coming. We are on our way out. We have been through something horrible, but we are going somewhere new. God has not forgotten. Do you remember the promise? The scriptures tell us, that they couldn't believe Moses because they were exhausted. I think there are a few parts of scripture that are so easily relatable (laughs) to that one verse. They couldn't believe Moses because they were exhausted and because of their forced labor. God had sent them a prophet, a promise, a plan God had a strategy in place. God could understand the next step and the end game, and God could see the promise coming to them, but they couldn't. They didn't listen because they were completely exhausted. I feel like that verse, it also delivers that information without judgment. Just matter of fact, they didn't listen to Moses. They were completely exhausted. How many of us feel less capable of belief when we are exhausted from suffering? How many of us feel that the sheer energy it takes to hope is beyond us? This is a deeply human condition. And God understands that because it has been happening for generations and generations and generations. But that is why God sends Moses. That is why God has a plan. That is why our God is the God who remembers because we are the people who forget. This is the theme of the Hebrew scriptures. If you could distill one major theme, God remembers. Our God is the God who can hold on hope when we cannot. Our God is the God who remembers the promise when we forget. Our God is the one who is coming for our rescue when we are too tired to believe that rescue is possible. Now, it doesn't end there. It doesn't say that the people didn't believe Moses, and so God said, oh, well, you know, forget it. No, God persists. God persists through Moses, 
God gives Moses signs and wonders. And I think that this is not only for Pharaoh to change Pharaoh's heart, but it is for the people, for them to remember, for them to see God in glimmers of change, glimmers of hope, for people to get a moment's respite so that they can believe, for things to become so real that even their exhaustion can't cloud their memories. God is calling us into hope. And in those moments when we can't believe because we are too exhausted, we need to lean on those who can remind us. Because we cannot actually move forward until we can believe again that things could be different. And the reason that this is so resonant right now is that there are many people exhausted Exhausted from the pandemic, exhausted from isolation, exhausted from economic strain, exhausted from the movement, exhausted from being sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yet, if we can find energy for anything, we must find energy to hope. And if we need motivation to rest, Keep that in mind, that we need to be rested at least a little bit, even to hope for a new and different tomorrow. And that that is not only an act of self-care, that is an act of faith and obedience to the God who is coming to our rescue. The God who longs for us to be aligned with the future that has been promised. The God who remembers, even when we are too exhausted to remember. Part of our task as believers, as followers, as hopers, as dreamers, is to give ourselves enough rest that we can find our prophetic imagination. That when Moses preaches that God is coming for us, that we can find it within ourselves to get a little excited, to believe that 2021 is going to be different, to know that it's not going to be perfect and to still trust it is going to be better that God will meet us, God will find us, that we will emerge, not unscathed, but made new. Because God makes all things new. And that is the core of the promise to all of God's people, to you. That things will be made new. That the heavens are coming to earth. That God's kingdom is on its way and already bubbling up inside you and among us but we have to be alive to it. We can't be so tapped out that we give in to hopelessness and desolation. This is a difficult task. And again, there's no judgment in that scripture that identifies that God's people just weren't up for it in that moment. But God persists, persists in giving hope, persists in making prophetic promises so that they can discover and grasp and find that hope once more. They cannot leave Egypt until they trust there is something on the other side. We will be in 2020 forever unless we trust that there is life beyond the dumpster fire. And there is. There always is because the God who remembers dreams it into being for us even when we cannot we have to step into a future we cannot see. That is the core of faith. Hebrews defines faith as hope in things unseen. To be people of faith, to be people in the way of Jesus, 
we have to ready ourselves for a new and different future. And so, for those of you on Team B, on Team Forget This Year, on Team Nothing Has Changed, I see you. You are completely exhausted. And hang tight. Find whatever energy is within you as soon as it arrives and give it to hope as an act of faith, as an act of trust in the God who has remembered this whole time what she has in store for you, what is next, what is beyond the pain you are immersed in now. Because it will not be this way forever. And God wants you to get excited for what is to come. We have to be ready on God's timing. And I know that that is different than ours because if we could, we would snap our fingers and at the stroke of midnight on December 31st, everything would have changed. But we know that our God moves through people, through generations, through these systems that need to be broken down and shifted and built up and changed. That God doesn't do these things in a way that obliterates all the choices we've made, all the choices that everyone has made. But God always creates opportunity for the inbreaking of something new. God always takes what once was and turns it on its head to make something different, more powerful, more beautiful. The scriptures tell us that God works all things towards the good of those who trust and love God. And we need to put our hope in that that there is potential, there is opportunity in every new step. And even in our exhaustion, if we can't believe, we have to try and remember. And if we can't remember, we have to at least just hang tight with people who can so that they can remember for us until we find the energy to hope with them. Jesus is coming, and this is actually the message that we had been preaching all of Advent and believe it or not, it's actually still Christmas right now. We celebrate Christmas until the 6th, which is Epiphany. The 12 days of Christmas, they actually start on December 25th. And it's a reminder that this is actually a season where we say Jesus is here. For all of December, we said Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We have to prepare ourselves for when Jesus comes. But Christmas is about saying Jesus is here. Where are we going with Jesus? What happens when Jesus arrives? Are we ready for it? Are you ready? Or have you been stuck so much in the pain of the recent past that we can't even sense that God is here, ready to lead us into a new future? Jesus warns that this is a real possibility, that we could miss the coming of Jesus because we haven't prepared for it. He tells a parable about young women who are waiting waiting for their bridegroom. And they come out in the middle of the night with their candle or their um, lamps. And half of them knew that it might be a wait. And so they brought extra oil, but half of them did not. The night was long, longer than they anticipated, longer than they were prepared for, and they fell asleep. But when the announcement came that the bridegroom, who is in this metaphor Jesus, was coming, it is only those who were prepared with extra oil, only those who had both hoped for the future and also prepared, if it didn't come on their timing, that were ready. Those who had run out of oil had to go get more and missed the bridegroom altogether. In our waiting, 
in our preparing to leave Egypt, we have to hope that there is something on the other side. We have to hope hard enough that we are ready to leave. We have to pack our bags. We have to be ready for the future that God has promised us. We have to believe it so hard that we are ready to go at a moment's notice. And we have to persist. We have to have that bag ready by the door. And it may be there for days or weeks or months. But we have to trust that at any moment there will be a knock. The time will come. And we will find ourselves in a new future, a new promise, a fulfillment of God's eternal promise that God will make things new. And it is our task only to be alert for the invitation to move, to escape, to be liberated into a new and different future. If you are completely exhausted, I'm with you. And if you have a sliver of hope, hang on. Hang on to that. And together as a community, we will lean on one another. We will grab our scraps of hope and our scraps of memory and put them together. And that will be our guiding light, our memory of the promise of God. That's really what the scriptures are, is a collection of memories of hope, anchoring us to the promise that we are not alone, that we have not been abandoned, that we are not left to rot in the dumpster fire, but that we are called someplace and that we must remain at the ready never forgetting that God is taking us somewhere and that that is our path into freedom. Will you spend January packing with me, readying ourselves for whatever God has in store that is already coming into being but feels so far away yet? Will you be with this community, holding one another's complete exhaustion and also urging one another on in hope and love, anticipation of what God is doing, of where God is taking us into the promised land? Will you be a people ready for the fulfillment of God's promises? We got to start packing, y'all, because God is taking us someplace. Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, we thank you for being a God of memory, of remembering. We offer up to you our doubt, our forgetting, our exhaustion. Our suffering makes us forget. Our pain can overwhelm us. But God, whatever we have been through, you have been right there alongside us, with us, planning and plotting our future. May we have hope to remember your promise. May we have the strength to hope in a new future. May we hold one another up as we pack and prepare. And may we be ready for every step that leads towards freedom. In your name we pray. Amen.